All right. In the Garfield house. I mean, many, many people are calling this the year of Andrew Garfield, not not just because of your success for the of this movie, but the return of Spider-Man as Spider-Man. You're a fan yourself. What was it like to have all three? I mean, together. I'm so happy that I get to talk about it now yeah. because it's like I it's like I've been I've had so many different hats on in, in the sense of like, like, first and foremost, I am a fan. So when so when Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige and, and John Watts um, asked to have a word with me and talk to me about an idea and they, and they pitched it, it was like I, I was the fans in the audience watching it on screen for the first time with like the, the, like the three, the three Spider-Men across universes are sharing a frame together and like your head, your little head just explodes. So like I, like that's the main thing in me that I'm that I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. And then the fact that I get to be one of those people wearing the suit next to my actual Spider-Man hero Tobey Maguire and the, the the brilliant, incredibly talented, heartfelt, funny, good, sweet, perfect Spider-Man of Tom Holland, and then I get to be the middle brother. And I get to be like in awe of my older brother and in full longing to protect my younger brother. And just like, and also there's something spiritual that, that kind of happened and happens and that we were exploring in the film, which is like, you know, archetypally the character is so alone. Mm -hmm. the, the, the isolation, that that's a big important part of the character in, in terms of the canon of Spider-Man for me anyway. And I think one of the reasons why I think is so appealing to so many people around the world is that feeling of solitude that we can all and loneliness maybe is a better word that we can all relate to as we are figuring out our giftedness as we are figuring out our ordinariness and how that meets our extraordinariness and going through adolescence and becoming a a, a full person like the, the 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 loneliness that that character feels archetypally that he seems destined to feel all of his life suddenly gets broken open and these three guys who maybe felt very lonely in the universe before suddenly are aware that they're never alone. They never have been alone. And actually there is a brotherhood out there and God knows how many more Spider-Men, Peter Parkers there are out there to share in that support group with. Because that's what it felt. It started to feel like a kind of like strange Peter Parker, Spider-Man <laughs> support group, like a kind of, you know, like a 12 step program for Spider-Men and, and Peter Parkers. And, and the beauty of that, like the beauty of like what the writers crafted and what we all crafted together of, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, to, to, to save our younger brother from, you know, the paths that we have trod. I found that deeply moving mentorship, like the theme of mentorship and, and how these two people across the universe were the only ones that could really fully understand what this young man was going through. And, and that was always, that was really important to us as well, that it was really about Tom and Tom's character, Tom's Peter, Tom's journey as the, as the center that, and, and we were just there to kind of support and have a lot of fun. And it was so much fun. I can't believe, I still can't believe it. it. It happened. And I'm just like, you know, I snuck into a theater one like on, on opening night and just watched from like with my baseball cap on and my mask and just kind of like, and uh, in fact, I was actually with Toby, me and Toby snuck into a theater together and wow. <laughs> no one knew we were there. <laughs> Epic. Epic. I love that. So much love fun. That.
And uh, and yeah, it was just a really beautiful thing to share together, and to find a brotherhood with Toby as well, and with Tom, and and the, the fact that we have shared, that we that we do share a very unique experience. How how that all came about? Yeah. Could you? Would you do it again? Do you? Would you put the suit on if given the opportunity? I mean, I you know never say never. I mean, it's such it's it's a character that's always gonna be so meaningful to me and so beautiful to me and. Again, it comes back to service, you know. I think if there's a way, because that's what that's what that character is all about. He's all about ser serving the greater good and serving his fellow fellow people, his fellow, you know, serving humanity and all life, you know. So if there's a way for me to continue to add to the legacy of that character in a way that feels like it's of service to an audience, of service to the themes. Oh, that was, you know the, the themes that Stanley kind of uh, you know injected that character with. I'm open, of course. I'm very, very open. Do you know how many Jonathan Larsons there are? One. Why should we blaze a trail? There's not enough time. I went to three friends' funerals last year, and nobody is doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Try writing about what you know. Now, Palm Springs is always the official start of ward season, and, and you're a part of this thing. What is it? What is it like? What is it? I know this this film is connected to you deeply for many reasons, but what, what what's it like for everybody to be recognizing Tick Tick Boom? Oh my goodness, where do I begin with that question? I remember the first time we screened the film for a, a SAG audience, for, for you know SAG membership um, viewers. And I, we were in Los Angeles. It was, I think, the day after our premiere, and um, and I remember being in the in the kind of like the hallway before we were going to go and do our Q and A afterwards. I was with Lynn and the rest of the company. And I turned to Lynn and I said, "I have a feeling that this is going to be a special night because everyone in that audience, yeah. this is their story. Everyone who's ever held an, a SAG card, every, everyone who's ever." been as as audacious to follow their own dream whether it was artistic or otherwise this is their story this is our story it just so happens to be through this symbolic lens of jonathan larson who happened to be the quintessential devoted artist who could not let go of his own very particular unique thread that pulled him into life and that he knew he had to leave behind all of his giftedness and I think we all have a sense of that. We all have an opportunity to live in that way. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's connecting with people in a way that goes beyond, you know, a film. You, you talked about feeling like your mom was in every frame of, of this movie and your connection, uh, you know, as you promoted the film. Does being able to talk about this character and the experience uh, allow these emotions to live on with you as, as time goes on? I feel like there's such a special, that's the other special side of this film is that your connection with your mom and to the material and all this, does that carry on with you now? Oh my gosh, of course, yeah, entirely. You know, to have the opportunity to honor, to honor Jonathan in this way every morning to wake up and just kind of devote myself at the altar of Jonathan Larson. But while simultaneously I was able to put my mother's song my mother's unfinished, half-finished song right next to Jonathan's unfinished, half-finished songs. That, that personal connection, I think, again, it's, it's what makes 
all stories all are so universal just 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 the fact that what jonathan has to allow for what he has to understand and be initiated to in the course of this story is this acceptance that life has to include loss mm. it, it, it has to include an awareness and a knowledge of the finite nature of the amount of breaths that we get to have here the amount of um, love that we get to share here the amount of tender infinite moments that we get to um, live within I, I think as he understands as he as he grows into a man as he grows into an adult and starts to realize oh my gosh I might lose my best friend oh my gosh I might lose my own song oh my gosh I'm gonna lose everyone in my life I think that is what invigorates him and it's definitely something that I can attest to with my own with the, the recent loss of my you know arguably the most important person in my life with my mother that actually that loss if if faced if if met if accepted as a, a bigger force than I can contest the thing that's chasing all of us that that, that actually is what makes life as meaningful as it can be and as it actually is if we allow ourselves the um the the privilege of our grief the privilege to remember that this is temporary that our conversation right here right now is temporary and that there's no way of living a life of meaning without that so for me that i get to that i got to share and explore that with my fellow artists with lin-manuel miranda with with alex ship with roman de jesus and everyone else that we all got to bring our own ghosts we all got to bring our own griefs our own longings our own dreams and to live through that awareness that we all leave here with an unfinished song and the fact simply that I got to sing for my mother that I got to sing her across the river that I got to keep singing the song that I wish she could be her, here herself to sing but in lieu of that I will do my best to sing it for her even now as I speak to you I get to do that and I get to say the name Lynn Garfield and I get to say I love you mum and I and I and I hope I hope that you're resting and at peace and I hope you feel proud and I hope you feel and I know that she would even if I was a murderer she would be showing up with like chocolate chip cookies in jail you know she was, <laughs> she was that she was that kind of mother and uh, I'm just so so grateful that I get to say her name here to you and to whoever who's listening and and to have her song sung on the kind of river of Jonathan Larson's songs I find that quite quite beautiful and quite moving and I'm just incredibly grateful. I'm humbled that I that I got to do it. I'm I'm humbled that I that I get to do what I what I love to do and then to be able to talk to you about it and to receive a, a, an an award for it. It's a little bit it's a little much. Like my like it feels like that your cup is overflowing and then I quickly go to well I there's this overspill of of gratitude that I have and I need to make sure I put it where my mother would want me to put it and i say you know what i'm saying i'm like yes where yeah. like this 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 beauty this joy this gratitude like this is a, this is that abundant feeling of love that abundant feeling of love that that i was awoken to when my mum passed i was like oh no that's all that the, all that grief is all that unexpressed love and it's abundant it's never ending it's it's like it's a source that is never exhausted like that my, my so so i 
I'm, I'm feeling pretty overwhelmed by all of this and, and by the fact that I could play my favorite character again in Spider-Man and simultaneously, you know, honor my other favorite character, Jonathan Larson. You know, it's like, it's pretty beautiful stuff, man. I'm very, very grateful. This film, yeah. uh, it kind of has Jonathan Larson persevering in the face of failure and rejection. And, and many creatives, as we said earlier, can relate to that. Uh, talk about a rejection that set you back in your own career, right? I like to always bring this up because it, it makes us reflect a little bit. Um, something that, that, that maybe set you back in your career that really resonated during this process. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was thrown back to my early 20s, you know, when I was just out of drama school thinking, am I gonna survive, you know? Like I would have taken anything. I would, I would, the first job I ever did was a, a Doritos commercial in Spain where I was playing air guitar as, with a Dorito <laughs> as, a, as a plectrum. And I was like, I've made it. Like I'm just made $2,000 for two days of work. That's it, it's over. Um, and, uh, but no, I had a, a big spell of um, unemployment, which I think is a kind of um, a necessary lucky thing in a way. I think the, 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 I think it kind of, it was my Jonathan Larson superbia moment. I had a year and a half of waiting, you know, waiting tables and, you know, working at Starbucks and I was a cricket coach. I was, I was just doing any like telemarketing, the whole thing. There was, I remember I want, I was so desperate. I auditioned for Prince Caspian in um, the Chronicles of Narnia. And I thought if this, this could be it, this could be it. And that handsome, brilliant, actor Ben Barnes ended up getting the role and and I was so I was I think it was down to me and him and I and I remember like I was I was obsessed I was obsessed and I was like why not why not me why not me and Ben Barnes is a very handsome talented man so I'm, <laughs> in retrospect I'm not unhappy with the decision and I think he did a beautiful job <laughs>